You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Kevin Reynolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. We haven't been able to do a podcast for a little bit, so we just thought we would do some catch-up, some clean-up, talk about some things that have happened over the past week, as well as some things coming up. But uh, been busy with basketball not too long ago. We just uh, found out on Twitter that the point guard from University of Washington, Elijah Hardy, has looked to transfer. He's in the transfer portal and looks like he's going to head to Portland State, which is probably a really good fit. I know a little bit about what's going on down there. Chris, do you know anything about what's going on down there at Portland State? I don't. That's uh, Yeah, it was news to me that uh, that would be the destination of choice, but I think that's happened before. I mean, and, and if he wants to stay in the in the region, in the Northwest, seems good. He can drop down right now to that, to that level, to that big sky level, and play immediately. Doesn't have to worry about sitting out or anything like that. So, um, I, I'm not sure exactly what the state of their program is in terms of, you know, need for a point guard, what have right. you. But I guarantee you, they'll take a they'll take a Pac-12 guard any any day of the week and be just happy with it. It'll be interesting down there. They lost their leading scorer. He's guard, and he uh, headed back home to go to Arizona State. Terry Porter, the head coach, was under a lot of fire at the end of the year, and actually, assistant coach Dave Rice. Uh, on the Husky coaching staff was listed as a possible candidate to replace Terry Porter. So Elijah Hardy can go in there with them losing their top guy. And uh, he probably go in there, get a lot of minutes and be the guy, which just wasn't going to happen here at University of Washington with Quad A Green in the way and Marcus Sahonis obviously in front of him. So good opportunity for uh, Elijah Hardy. He's a kid that, you know, he's a good kid. So we'll see um, how much he can develop down there. But minutes is what he needs and minutes is what he will get at Portland State. Also, um, the uh, university also released that um, uh, Nate Pryor, I always want to call him Aaron Pryor, uh, Nate Pryor and Eric Stevenson both um, are officially on the roster. Nate Pryor, I think there's still a little bit of work to be done with Nate on terms of getting cleared academically with the board at University of Washington. So um, some interesting stuff there. Eric Stevenson uh, transfer in from Wichita State from Timberline High School down in uh, Lacey, but uh, it, it, I mean, Chris and Scott, are you pretty much hearing that you know transfers this year with the um, coronavirus are going to be granted immediate eligibility just because of what's going on out there? Is that your sense? Uh, from my standpoint, yes, I, I get the feeling that they're going to do everything they can to let these kids be able to transfer without uh, penalty uh, for this year and. It might even be a kind of a dry run slash test run to kind of see how this works in the overall scheme of things for for the future because that it, it is something they're considering doing in letting uh, guys just transfer and and not uh, not have a penalty. Yeah, add, especially I, with what I, I was going to say, Kim. There. I would add too that um, Jen Cohen told uh, Dave uh, Softy <laughs> Mahler and Dick Fain. When they were on, uh, when she was on KJR last week, that they're expecting, you know, up to like 25, 26 seniors to come back 
because the NCAA have given them the option of being able to come back, and Washington's actually going to pay their full need. And a lot of people, you know, they're, if they're baseball guys or if they're some, you know, if they're playing in in certain sports, they're not getting full need. They're usually not. They're only getting partial scholarships. So for Washington to step up and do that is pretty big. But I have a feeling that if they're going to already do that, which the NCAA has already said they're going to do that, then I would think that they're going to have to make some allowances for people you know, for this fall and, and going ahead because this thing's not going to go any anywhere anytime soon. And just to be clear, you're talking about the extra year of eligibility. That's for people who participate in spring sports. That's not basketball. That's uh, men or women's, and it's not football. It's more for uh, softball and the um, uh, time sports. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that with roster management. They'll obviously have to expand how many scholarships are available because they will have incoming high school seniors. So uh, something to keep an eye on. I mean, we could probably go round and around on that for hours, but I think it's one of those things that we're going to have to see just how it plays out because Washington had a dominant, you know, top five, uh, you know, softball team going into this year and was one of the favorites for the national championship. And if they could return everybody next year, for that, uh, plus the incoming high school talent, which I know they've got a pretty good recruiting class coming in. Washington softball is definitely something um, to keep an eye on. Well, what, um, hey, what, why isn't the Washington State Legislature doing what Florida did and saying, well, we were one of the favorites to win the national title, so we're the national champions like Florida State did with their basketball, their men's basketball team? Not to get political, but that would be involved doing something. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on to football. I, say, I think they're a little busy and, right now with other things. Yeah. Yesterday and um, today we had a chance to talk to Coach Scott Huff, the offensive line coach at University of Washington, and also um, John Donovan, the new offensive coordinator. Let's start off first of, of all with our conversation that we had with uh, Scott Huff. Some interesting revelations on some guys that he's going to try in different positions on the offensive line. Well, I mean, obviously with Nick Harris gone, they were, they were looking for some leadership there. We've been talking about the fact that Luke Wattenberg, who played left guard the past couple of years, was probably going to be the guy that they tabbed to move inside. And right now that's what it looks like. He's going to battle with a handful of guys, including Mateo Mele, uh, Miles Morale, and possibly even Garen Hatchett. That was a little bit of a surprise for me, saying, talking about Garen Hatchett moving Possibly inside, he's a true freshman coming out of Ferndale. But uh, you know, I, those are kind of the guys at, at center. And then he's talked, and then he talked about. Hey Scott, before you move off of the center, and I'll get right back to you. But when you take a look at Nick Harris, Nick was about six foot, maybe six one in shoes. But the guys that they're talking about at center are like they're all six five ish. They're bigger guys. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, Wattenberg's six four, six five. Uh, Melee's in that six five range. So is. So is Garen Hatchett. Just Scott Huff prefers his linemen to all be in the 6'5 range, but they have to be able to move. They have to be able to bend all those things. He'll take a guy shorter and, and work with them. But if he's looking at if, if all things are equal and he's got a chance at bringing in a guy who's 6'2 or a guy who's 6'5, 6'6, he's always going to opt on the bigger, longer guy. And that's I, – I just think that's – I mean, if you look at who he's recruited over the past couple of years – Miles Morrell, Vic Kern, those are two of the outliers for him. Typically, Scott Huff is wanting to go 6'4 or higher and more likely 6'5 and, and longer um, um, for his guys. He talked about left tackle. I think the biggest thing 
talked about this before, but I don't think he talked to anybody or anybody had talked about it in public, but Jack Kirkland moving from right guard over to left tackle. Oh yeah, we talked about it in our in our uh, spring preview article on offensive linemen that the word was that uh, that that he was headed over to left tackle, and that's you know that's I, that was a bit of a surprise for me. Not that I don't think Jackson Kirkland could do it, but I thought they wanted to bring up a younger guy and maybe even have Mateo Mele out there. At this point, it doesn't even sound like Mele will even be in the mix at left tackle. It sounds like it's going to be Nate Kleppo, Julius Bulo, Vic Kern, and and uh, and uh, Kirkland um, battling it out, and then whoever doesn't work out, you know, maybe they'll slide them over. Maybe they'll slide them over to right tackle. I, I think right now, if the season were to start today, it would probably be Jackson Kirkland as your starter at left tackle, and Vic Kern as your starter at right tackle. But luckily, we've got some time to decide on that. One thing I will say is that it sounds like. Uh, Kleppo and Bulo have both had outstanding, um, outstanding uh, off seasons, and Corey Luciano is also another one that's in the mix there at tackle, which surprised me a little bit. I thought he was probably a better fit inside at center guard, but uh, you know Scott Huff is the one who gets paid to do this, and and that's where he wants to see his guys play, and that's where they're going to be playing. Let's start at left tackle and project there. Um, would, would you project that uh, uh, Kirk, Jackson Kirkland starter at left tackle? Yeah, Jackson Kirkland at left tackle. I think Mateo Mele is probably your left guard, although I think there will be a battle there, um, possibly even with a guy like Nate Kaleppo, who I think could play inside or outside. Uh, I think Luke Wattenberg's your starting uh, center against – let's just assume the Michigan game, game happens on Labor Day weekend. Um, I think uh, against Michigan, I think Luke Wattenberg's your center. I think Henry Bainavalu, barring an injury – is probably your right guard, and and then um, your your right tackle is probably Vic Kern. But I've heard Julius Bulow is a guy who the coaches really, really like a lot. And if he became the starter at right tackle, it wouldn't surprise me if they moved either Bainavalu to left uh, guard and slid in uh, Kern at right right guard, or left Bainavalu at right guard and moved Kern to left guard. So um, I think I think Washington's got some nice versatility and depth along the offensive line, and that's something Scott Hub brought up that he he has versatile guys, and that's what he really wants. Hey Scott, um, Vic Kern. Um, I always thought of him more of a guard. I always thought of Bainavalu is more of a tackle. Are those guys guards tackle? Can they play both? What's your thought on that? Well, if you watch the way Kern and Bainavalu played in the uh, Boise game, the um, uh, Las Vegas Bowl, both of those guys came in and played right guard and, and right tackle, and they were just destroying guys. They were they were playing really, really well. Kern does not fit the typical body that you want out there at tackle. Um, he's maybe 6'3 and a half, probably closer to 6'2, 6'3, and he's right around 300 pounds, but he can really move. He's got long arms, and he's always played out on the edge, so I think that gave him some advantage. With Bainavalu, he always played uh, tackle in high school, but they moved him inside once he got to the University of Washington, and the coaches really, really like what he brings to the table. After Jackson Kirkland got hurt in the Colorado game, Bainavalu came in, had a really good game against Colorado, had another really good game against uh, Washington State, and then followed that up with probably his best game of the year against Boise State. So um, I think the coach is just really excited about those guys at – right tackle and right guard, even though 
it from a body standpoint or what you're typically looking for at each of those positions, reversing them would seem like the right deal. But the way those guys play and the mentality they play with, I think uh, Coach Huff likes them. Beta bottle with guard and current tackle. And a couple of other guys that uh, you know haven't been mentioned much, but uh, boy, I think they're going to be battling, and that's uh, MJ out of uh, Tacoma, and um, also I know that they love um, Troy Fatton. Uh, did, did I did I say melee or Ale at left guard when I give my offensive line? Well, you said um, melee. Okay, well I meant Ale. Sorry about that. I meant Ale as the starter at left guard. I think melee will be your be your backup at uh, at uh, center this year. But um, um, and, and Huff even said he didn't see Melee playing inside a guard. He thought he was either a tackle or a center. Um, who was the other one you asked me about? Troy Fautan, who redshirted well, last yeah. year. I know that they he, love him. Yeah, he was a guy that Scott Huff really didn't mention in, in the talk, and I, I don't think it's for any other reason than he just – how many guys does he have? Like 16 guys he has to go through, so it's easy yeah. to leave out a name here or there. But – yeah, I think Fautano is a guy who could also battle. And, and honestly, from a technical standpoint, he might even be ahead of MJ Ale. But we've seen what MJ Ale can do when the light switch goes on for him because he can just be a devastating run blocker. And and uh, I, I really am excited to see what that guy can do once he really gets his, his feet wet with some with some reps. And um, at this point, I'd say Ale is probably your left guard. But uh, I think Fautano will be right there as well. Hey, Chris, when you take a look at who the guys we've talked about on the offensive line, the thing that really jumps out, they're big. I mean, they're, they are big, you know, and is this a result of that Alabama game, you know, a few years ago where they wanted to get bigger? Because you take a look at this offensive line, <laughs> they're definitely huge. Well, if, I mean, if you go and you, if you go by what Scott just mentioned, if you look at Jackson Kirkland at 6'7", 325, whatever, at left tackle. Then you look at MJ Ale at 6'6", 350, 360 at left guard. And then at center, you go Wattenberg. He's a legitimate 6'5", 300-plus. And, uh, and then at right guard, if you go Henry Bainavalu, he's 6'5", 6'6", 320-plus. And then at right uh, tackle, if you go Vic Kern, yeah, he's 6'3", 320 10 315 but then you also you know scott mentioned julius bulo who had a supposedly had a really good off season that's a guy who's 6 8 340 so yeah i mean you just well right and if nate Kalepo is your backup left tackle you know he's 6 5 6 6 340 plus so yeah they're they're getting big there's no doubt about it they've gotten very big and then I think that the um, the future, especially of the guys that they recruited, now you got Miles Morale, who's 6'2", probably 3'10", 3'15". That's probably what he's going to be throughout his career. But if you look like Garen Hatchett, if you look at uh, some of these other kids, Roger Rosengarten and, and some of these other guys, you know they have, the, they have the potential to really grow. I mean, a guy like Rosengarten, I saw him at the Polynesian Bowl, and he's 6'5", 6'6", legitimately 6'6". And, you know, probably close to 300 pounds, but he could get 320, 325 without even breaking a sweat. So um, there's a lot of potential in the future as well. I'm showing my age, but I just remember when you know, I was a kid growing up watching football and 300-pound 300 line, 300 linemen. There wasn't many of them. They were, I mean, that was huge back in the day and seemed like the minimum now to play offensive line. They just grow them differently these days, I guess. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Chris, we had a chance today to talk to um, John Donovan, the new offensive coordinator. Anything jump out to you uh, about John? Yeah, a few things. I mean, I thought it was interesting that, you know, he, he did say that the the opportunity to come coach at Washington was kind of a random thing for him. It obviously wasn't something that he was actively looking for. And because of the network of NFL contacts that Jimmy Lake had created, they he found out about Donovan, and, and it looked like a good fit there. He talked about his background, um, being from New Jersey, and how he didn't know much about college football on the West Coast growing up, what have you. But he does remember the Washington teams back then being really tough and being hard-nosed teams. And even when he was coaching at Vanderbilt and Penn State, they still had kind of that tough, hard-nosed mentality, and that's something that he obviously wants to continue to do here it's built on that kind of physical nature and that's something that obviously Jimmy Lake wants and John Donovan's right on board with that I, I did find it interesting that he really didn't do an autopsy or a deep dive of last year's offense to kind of figure out what they needed to do when putting together a, a philosophy an offensive philosophy for this year it sounds like he just kind of came in and, and had his ideas and they kind of used that whole part whole teaching method where he just kind of threw it out there to the assistant coaches. And then the coaches then kind of said, okay, well, this is what we did last year. This is kind of how we approach things. This is kind of how the players are. And so then that's when he started to take a look at some film and started to figure out and kind of tinker a little bit with it. And then now they're back to, you know, once he got the feedback from the assistant coach, the other offensive coaches, put it back together and kind of said, okay, this is, this is what we, this is what we like. This is based on what I put together. This is also based on their feedback. And now we're going to start installing this stuff. So that's kind of where they're at now. And and that's where they're doing all their zoom meetings and all that kind of other stuff. But he sounds, um, he sounds energized. He, um, he's back into the recruiting swing of things, which is something obviously is, is new for him again, after coaching for a number of years with Jacksonville and um, but it sounds like he's he's got a plan in place, and and obviously they'd want to be out there coaching those guys right now because most of those guys learn by doing at that age. But he did say that the one thing the NFL does have over college guys is that they have all the time in the world to teach details and and teach the fundamentals and and have two three hour long meetings if they need to to coach certain things. And that's what they're doing here. So this is he's got an opportunity to use this time to kind of bring that NFL experience to bear and and it sounds like they're right. they're working they're working on it so far, but we'll see what happens. But it was good talking to him. It's this is the first time the media's gotten a chance to talk to him. So And what I sensed was just a lot of frustration. He's just stuck in the office and they're not doing football. He doesn't know what he's got and 
Boy, if he could if he could just go out right now with his guys, I mean, I think he would love it. But I sense some frustration in his voice that he just wants to get started, and I'm sure he's not the only one. But uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But that's what I sensed with him. Like, okay, you know, you can watch the film, you can do things and talk to guys, but you know, he just sounded like he's just ready to go with football. Oh yeah, none of this is ideal, and you got to remember too, he's in a he's in a new situation, and and usually. You know, if you're in a new situation, and he only knew uh, Coach Cato, Durham Cato, the new tight ends coach, he only knew him from back in Vanderbilt, so it was good to have a familiar face, but that was the only coach that he really knew coming into Seattle, and so you gotta you got to understand his situation. He kind of feels like, well, I'm going to get acclimated by coaching, right? I'm going to get acclimated by getting into this thing, getting with my guys, getting out on the field, doing my thing, and now he can't do any of that. So I can, I can imagine, yeah, I'm sure the cabin fever is strong with a guy like John Donovan right now because this is this is what he was brought in to do. Well, he's also behind the eight ball because he doesn't know these guys. He's never worked with them, you know. So, um, yeah, sometimes you just want to get going. So um, hopefully we'll get that soon. And uh, NFL draft coming up next week. Will we have – are we going to have a guy drafted in the first round, you guys? Well, I think it's I don't interesting. see it happening. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's um, you know, I did. Uh, hopefully, people got a chance to listen to the interview I did with Rob Rang, and Rob Rang has Jacob Eason as a first round talent. Um, he so he has him like in his top thirty two in terms of guys that are available, but at the same time, he you know it's you know I just I don't see it either to be honest. I I think a lot of the mock drafts that I saw. The earliest that Eason would be taken is around the mid forties in the second round, with like Indianapolis, for instance. I think you know he'd learn for a year uh, under Philip uh, Philip Rivers, and then you know depending on what happens with Rivers, you can go do do your thing and whatnot. But it, it just it does feel like a lot of the mock draft guys out there, at least the guys that you would pay attention to, think that Eason's going to get picked up by a. You know, by an Indianapolis or a Tampa Bay. You know, you learn under Tom Brady and then you go. So it sounds like they're thinking a team that wants to maybe groom him for a year or two might be his best landing spot. And what I've heard is, you know, and we see this every year, you know, because a lot of the guys that are doing the mock drafts from ESPN, CBS, you know, all of the big major networks and all the guys that are well-known – they're not just relying on what they're seeing. They're relying on what they're hearing. And there's a lot of information that gets floated out there in drafts. Guys will, you know, just say things, you know, for example, the Jacob Eason interview didn't well. And there's a lot of stuff that gets floated out there uh, on purpose by agents, by uh, general managers. So there's a lot of gamesmanship in that. Um, the... Um, prevailing thing is Jordan Love is a guy that seems to have shot up the boards on the NFL draft. The quarterback out of Utah State, is that a smokescreen? Because you're not hearing a lot about Jacob Eason. What I've heard is there's a lot of teams out there that like Jacob Eason, but uh, the one I've heard that really likes him is Indianapolis. Indianapolis uh, got Phillip Rivers from San Diego, and they'd like to take him in the second round because they traded their first round pick away. But Indianapolis is in win-now mode, so you know they can't really afford to take a quarterback And uh, when you're in win-now mode and sit him. They need a draft choice to be able to come in and play.
world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!